Hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCartney, founder of plantplots.com and author of the book I Want to Like My Garden. Each week, The Plotting Shed discusses different aspects of garden design, but we focus on things that other books don't really talk about. I hope you enjoy this podcast and do please hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. Well, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening even, and welcome back to The Plotting Shed. I hope you've all had a really amazing week. This week... I wanted to talk about shade and I wanted to enlighten you all about shade. We all have parts of our garden that are a bit dull, shaded for most of the day, you don't like sitting in there, the sun doesn't get there and very often these spaces are damp dead ground or there's nothing growing in, well apart from industrial strength weeds. We constantly have to go and weed the area, we can't get anything to grow in there and it just looks a bit flat. So I thought we'd look at shade and how to deal with shade. So I was gonna throw this question at you. What actually is shade? Now I know you're gonna sit there going, yeah, hey Rach, well we all know what shade is. It's when the sun doesn't shine. Well, yes, but there are different types of shade and each creates a different type of microclimate. So I'm gonna give you a little sciencey bit now about what plants do with sunshine. So you, if you understand that, you, we can then work out what type of shade your garden has and how you can get things to grow better in that particular area. So what is shade? Well, shade has a range. Okay, there is the total absence of direct sunshine from overhead. You have filtered or diffused sunshine from overhead. And then you have shadows cast on the ground by other objects. But above that particular area is there isn't anything, you still have access to the sky. So there are different types of shade and each one throws up its own unique set of circumstances. But what you need to consider is not the fact that there is shade or the absence of direct sunshine on the ground, it's the effect that the shade has. Because if we tackle those problems then we can find plants to grow. I mean The natural world has worked it out all over the place. I mean, you go into cave systems at the entrances and you can still find plants that aren't in direct sunshine growing. If you go to the jungles, there's about, I think, 10% of the light actually gets down to ground level. And yet they're thriving ecosystems. So we can get things to grow. We just have to work out how and, and what. So let's take overhead shade. What effect does that have on the light levels. Clearly, it stops the sunlight getting through. But sunlight comes in a range of frequencies. Now, this is the sciencey bit. 
leaves and plants are only green because that's the frequency of light that is reflected off the surface, just like a mirror. So it's the light that they're not absorbing produces the colour. We all know chlorophyll is the pigment in the, in the cells of the leaves that absorbs the light for photosynthesis. And the main bit of chlorophyll, chlorophyll A, absorbs red and orange light, but reflects in the main yellow, green and blue light. However, its favourite colours are indigo and violet. Now, indigo and violet are at the higher energy, so they're the shorter frequency, but they have more power. This is the light that we need to think about. So if you have overhead shade and it's a really, really dense canopy of trees, the violet light has the highest energy. It can, it can really work through down to the ground level, but there's less of it. Whereas if the overhead element that's causing the shade is, for example, a carport or a roof or something, then that UV light, that violet light, just simply can't get through. So you've only got the ambient light surrounding the plant that's bounced and reflected off other things that the plant can absorb the light from. That will contain less of its favourite indigo and violet light because that will have been absorbed by everything else around it. But there are two other factors that we need to consider. Rainfall and temperature. In terms of rainfall, the questions you need to ask are this. How much water gets onto the ground? And how long does it stay in the soil? And then with regard to temperature, with the absence of sunshine directly onto the ground, it's a cooler space. But is it dry cool or is it wet cool? So all of a sudden now, I hope you can begin to see when you're looking out of the back door in your down to your gardens. Are you really in shade? Or is a lot of your garden just simply in the shadow of fences, for example, and small trees? But it doesn't really have shade. You might find the only parts of your garden that are in genuine shade are those that are tucked up under the walls of the buildings and so the sun simply doesn't get down to the ground level there. Although a fence creates shadow, it doesn't put the plants in shade. This is something that creates a common problem for lots of inexperienced gardeners, that they look at their fence and they think, oh, that's a, that's a north-facing fence, it's in shade. So what I'll do is I'll go and find some shade-loving plants to put in there. Now, that sounds fine, but lots of shade-loving plants are grown or have evolved to grow in proper shade, where they get very small levels of their favourite types of light because of the tree canopies above them. So if we put them in an area that's in shadow, but there is light above them, it's just not direct sunshine, those plants go whoopie doo and grow like billy-ho. And you see lots of it that these plants then suddenly take over the garden because we've released their shackles. You know, the, the lack of indigo and violet light keeps the plants at a small size so it, it can maintain it, its own growth and it can 
support itself. But all of a sudden, just being in a, shade, a, a shadow place means it's got all this UV light and it romps away. So we have to choose plants carefully, whether we're thinking about shade or shadow. So if you take a fence, the difference is the bottom of the fence is in, is in shade, but above that fence is the sky. So all that happens is that you're reducing the light intensity at the bottom of the fence. It's not really shaded, it's shadowed. We can still grow plants that like sunshine on a shaded side of the fence. And we do that very simply by lifting the plants above the ground level because you're automatically raising them into higher light intensity areas. So if you put a, a, a wall trough or a wall basket at the top of a fence and grew plants at the top of the fence, they're not in, they're not in shade, are they? Even though the fence faces north. So most of the plants that you can grow on a north side of a fence that isn't overhung by anything are those plants that would tolerate partial shade. So it's only that we are blocking the light from above that creates shade. And there are plenty of plants that will happily grow in shade. And I'll talk about that in a minute, but there is another type of plant that very often you'll see that, that grows, that nothing grows underneath. And you'll think, oh, that's in shade. I'll put plants in there that will, that will grow under and around the base of these trees or shrubs or things because nothing else will grow. So it must be the light levels that are causing plants to not to be able to grow. But there are some rather intelligent plants. Is that the right word? The scientific term is allelopathic plants. Now don't ask me to say that again. I have to put my tongue and my teeth in. But these are plants that have evolved to prevent other plants being able to grow near them. Very often they have toxicities that, are, that surround their root system. So other plants can't actually get in there and grow, which then protects the nutrients for that plant so it can grow. So it may be that you've got a bare area under a shrub or a tree that nothing will grow, but nothing will grow. So you can't put anything under there because these are the plants that protect their own environment. Things like walnut trees. And incidentally, walnut leaves are a very good weed suppressant because of their, their, this toxin that prevents other things growing. Eucalyptus is a known tree or shrub that if you plant one, it will effectively prevent anything else growing near it in order to protect and, and facilitate its own growth. Laurels, ferns, juniper, rhododendrons, and I even found an interesting one, sunflowers. Sunflowers do the same thing, so they can grow really tall and fast. It's just, I suppose, it's just, it's just greed. They want all the water, all the sun, and all the nutrients for themselves, so they put out nasty stuff to stop anyone else taking those things. It's self-preservation. Have a look and see whether the bare spaces that you've got under those plants are actually not for the reasons of lack of light. It's actually that you can't grow anything there anyway. 
So the solution to that is if you have got space, you can plant in pots and tuck those in and around those plants. So how do we deal with improving then the light levels where we have overhead shade? So we are actually directly preventing that indigo and violet light getting down onto the leaves of the plants at the bottom underneath that, that shade. Well, there are some very simple things that we can do. First of all, we can remove some of the branches that are creating such a dense canopy of shade. Now this is called crown lifting. If you had a large shrub, evergreen shrub or a tree, if you remove some of the lower branches, like a bit like hoiking your skirts up so you get them from your ankles up to your knee, you're lifting the hem, then ambient light can get down to the ground level and then you have the ability to put other plants or, or plants that will grow in those conditions in there. If you have overhanging branches coming in from a neighbour's garden, you are allowed to remove those branches back to your fence line, but you must offer the branch back to the neighbours because it is their property. So you might say, don't just chuck it over the fence. Say, I have cut your branch, would you like it back? However, I would just add the caveat to that, that if it is a big tree or a big branch, you do need to speak to a professional because it is very easy to destabilise trees by removing big branches. So you do have to take that into consideration. But that will automatically increase your light levels at ground level. The second easiest thing to do is raise the plants above ground level. The light is at its least intense right at ground level. So if we can put plants in pots or hang them up or put them on the walls, then automatically you are bringing them up where they can access their favourite indigo and violet light. And the last little trick is to actually use reflected light. Now, as I've said, there is ambient light, which is the light reflected off the surfaces of everything else around it. But if everything else around it are plants that have already extracted the UV light or the, the violet and the indigo light, then those really useful elements of the plant are at much reduced levels. So you can be a bit smart and put mirrors in because the mirrors will bounce all the light off onto the area that you want. So it just helps the plants grow. So in terms of actual planting, I thought I'd do a quick Google search. And very often, you know, you type things in, you say, plants for shade, best UK plants for shade, best UK plants for dry shade. And up will come a list of plants from reputable trusted sources like the RHS or Gardener's World or Gardening World or big nurseries will have all clumped together and said to you, these are really good plants for shade. But you need to rethink that phrase. Because what I want you to do is look at that area of your garden that is that doesn't receive direct sunlight and ask yourself this, is it dry woodland shade or is it wet woodland shade or is it 
under building shade so that it won't get any UV light because the buildings will block it all. Identify that first because that then tells you what you need to do. So then we have to think, right, this little area that I've got, what can I plant in there? I've established that this is not wet woodland shade. It's not under the shadow of a building and so it'll never get any sunlight or rainfall. It's just like a normal woodland plant. So how can I plant this? How does a woodland make things grow? Well, what it does is this. In the early spring, before the leaf canopy opens, that's when you get lots of spring bulbs coming up, isn't it? That's when the light levels will be maximised. So that's when the flowers appear. You can then go and think, right, I can find some nice little pretty early spring bulbs that will pop up here when the light levels are maximised because the trees aren't in leaf. And then you get the green leaved plants that come up through the summer when the light levels drop. And these are the tough plants that can survive in the, the drier conditions because the trees stop the rainfall getting to the ground as effectively. And also they hoover up all the water that has got to the ground really quickly. So we need to work out, do these plants need to get water into them really quickly? You know, there's a bit of rainfall and they're really efficient at sucking water into the roots. So what can we plant? Or, are, or do we need plants that can store water a little bit in leaves so that they can grow when it's a bit drier? Things like begenia have those, you know, those big fleshy green leaves that are quite stiff. They're called elephant's ears, but they grow in really dry shaded areas because they kind of store a bit of water in their leaves as well. So it helps them cope. But there is one dangerous phrase that lots of inexperienced gardeners type in when they're looking at shade because nothing will grow on the ground and everyone doesn't like bare ground because bare ground will only get filled with the things that we don't want to have growing, the weeds and the cooch grass and all the things that it just will appear that we don't want in our gardens. So they type in this phrase, ground cover for shade. Now there's nothing wrong with that, except it throws up plants that will thrive in really dry, tough conditions. And people think, oh great, that will form a nice green mat and it will, I can pop it under there and it will, it will thrive. Well, it will thrive, yeah. But it'll probably over thrive in your small garden because these ones, as I said earlier on, there are plants whose size is constrained because of the conditions, the, the really, really low levels of light and really low levels of water. And they can, they've adapted to grow and they can stay a certain size. But you put those in your garden, which might not have the same tough conditions, and these things go bonkers. We've all seen ivy gone, that's just gone everywhere, and pachysandra, and the vincas, and the lamiums, and they've just all grown everywhere. I would suggest in most gardens, they're not big enough to have the plants that will do the ground cover for shade. You can do and plant other lovely plants in there instead that won't then take over and spread into all the other areas of your gardens. Things like the begonias or things that 
are easy to constrain because they're not too thuggish. You know, Ajukas are really, really pretty. Brunneras are really, really pretty. But again, they will not take over. They will just fill that space for you. You need to ask questions in order to make good decisions. What does the plant want to do? And is that what I need the plant to do? And ideally both should, should match, but if they don't match, don't plant it in your garden. So lastly, the designery bit then. What plants and how should you deal with a shaded, darker, dull area of the garden? So my advice is this. Do what nature does. So when the leaves are down, the light levels are at their maximum for that particular space, get the woodland bulbs in there in that will pop up in the spring. Maybe not bluebells because bluebells really do spread, but there are plenty of other early spring bulbs that you can have popping up like crocuses. You've got small fritillarias that will grow. There are some little wooden enemies that can pop up, things like that, that are not going to be, that are pretty and lovely to look at, but aren't going to take over like bluebells would. And then as the leaf canopy opens, then we want to have plants in there that will have good green leaves. And if they do have flowers, choose white ones, because when everything else around is green and the light levels are low, white is the best colour for brightening up shadier spaces then if you've popped in a mirror once towards the back of the fence or something that will just help reflect some ambient light into the plants but it will also give you this false depth and it will just brighten up that little space a bit more so there you are that's shade is it shade or is it shadow does it get water or does it not does it have cool wet conditions or does it have cool dry conditions so it's not as simple as the fact of just saying i want plants for shade and if you can just apply some of those thought processes to the dull parts of your garden you'll find better plants and better planting and the garden will look better so next week we're back to design layouts because I get lots of this. It's when somebody sends me a picture of it's basically help. This is my garden. It's a really weird L-shape, triangle, wonky shape, all the rest of it. So how do we make an effective garden design in a wonky shaped garden? Bet you can't wait. See you next week. Bye for now. Well, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Rachel McCartane of The Plotting Shed. If you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel at plantplots.com, or you visit the website with loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download. You can look at the designs that we've created. So do take a look. And please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. You can also donate if you go onto the website plantplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your garden. Take care and stay well.